Hello, and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a packed show for you today. We are reviewing another potential Oscar contender in Judas and the Black Messiah, starring Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. We have a mystery game from our game master, Kirk. And we have What's Poppin', as always, to get you all caught up. And we are going to wrap up the show with our schoolyard pick of films that are based on a true story. Let's get right into it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with me as always and wearing a plush, luxurious men's robe, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. Wow, and you came in super hot there. That was that was loud. I just want to let people know I'm here, Kim. Yeah, announce your presence. I, I get it. You're kind of like, you're really going for it today, so I, I appreciate it. What's the story behind the robe? Let's just get that out of the way. Oh, please. I'm so glad you asked. You see, my basement is approximately six degrees Fahrenheit. Sure, yeah, especially now. Yes, and I asked my wife, I said, Aubrey, can I? Oh, look at my lovely hair. I I asked my (laughs) wife, I said, can we get a space heater? And she's like, you know, space heaters kind of freak me out. What if you fall asleep down there like you've done before? You're dead. And you catch our house on fire. (laughs) You're dead. That's that's the news on space heaters. You fall asleep next to them, you're, you're gone. That's the end. So she said, you know what we can start with? I said, what? She said, well, I'm going to buy you a robe. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, a robe? She's like, yeah. She's like, you know, you got me a robe for Christmas uh-huh. and it's really warm and I think you should try it. So I'm trying it out night one. It just got here about five hours ago. Wow. Wow. Well, what are, what are the early returns? Good? Well, for those of you watching the video of this podcast. Yeah. Fashion show. Let's go. Ooh, it's it's, uh, it's very warm, actually. And uh, while I would while the um, the money spender in me would like to just like buy a space heater just yeah. to have and brag about like psh, buy a space heater, you should be warm. I'm actually very warm right now in this robe. Uh, <laughs> it's regulating my temperature very well. And she was right. <laughs> yeah, she's basically Ebenezer Scrooge, though, is what I'm hearing here. It's like <laughs> no, no, no extra logs for the fire. No space heater, like get yourself a robe and we'll give that a spin. See, that's why we work so well together because I, I will spend all the money and yeah, sure. Aubrey, Aubrey will restrict my my money flow and yeah. for, all for the better because this was maybe $20 and a space heater is like 70 So Hey, there you go. There you go. You know, in my relationship with my wife, we are both the spender. <laughs> <laughs> And that leads to some real cash flow issues in this household. <laughs> Though I will say, I am, what would I say? I'm, I'm a rationalizing spender. I can talk myself into any purchase. I can talk other people into many purchases. Um, I'm pretty good at it. I, I feel like I could make a career out of it if there's, maybe I should be like a used car salesman or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I could do something with that. My wife is what I would call a guilty spender. She will make herself feel incredibly guilty about it before and after the purchase, but she still wants to buy things. So <laughs> it's an interesting thing. 
Uh-huh. That's that's fantastic. I love it. It's something else. I'm Cam, by the way. I'm I'm the other co-host <laughs> on this show. I we got so absorbed, literally in in Kirk's robe that I I had to just take a moment there. So, um, if this is your first time listening to our podcast, I am so sorry, <laughs> but also welcome. It's good to have you. Um, we've got a good show today. We we do movie reviews on this podcast, more specifically movie spoiler free movie reviews. And we are right in the thick of award season. So I mentioned at the outset that the movie that we have this week is yet another award contender. Um, it's called Judas and the Black Messiah, directed by Shaka King, starring Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. So it's one we've been looking forward to a long time. You can watch it on HBO Max or in your local theater if it's open and safe to go. Um, we've got a game. I don't even know what this game is, Kirk, but I like it that way. You know, I like to have a mystery, a mystery. Yes. Game. Yeah, I think you'll be very happily surprised by this mystery game coming in. Good stuff. And then, of course, we'll do movie news. We've got some interesting stories this week. I'm I'm interested to dive into it. We've got some new trailers we want to react to. We've got, of course, I mean, of course, we've got uh, Marvel news. We've got a little bit of Star Wars news. Um, Lots going on. Lots going on. And then we will wrap up the show. See, this was a... Actually, I feel like sort of the theme of this year in films is based on a true story films. There's so many of them this year. Like, it's it's a popular genre of film. I mean, not that it's a genre within itself, but it is a popular type of film to base things off of history. Um, And there are so many this year. You know, you've got Mank, you've got One Night in Miami, you've got The Trial of the Chicago 7, you've got Judas and the Black Messiah, Defy Blood, like so many (laughs) different ones. Yes. so it's a good time to do that. And I think that it's possible. I won't say probable, but it is possible that maybe one of the films from this year could make it into the list. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so we've got a great show. Let's dive right in. We're going to go straight into what's popping. So we have time for our game. And like I said, we've got some stuff to chat about. All right. First things first. I said we had some trailer reactions. There was one... Yes massive trailer that dropped on Sunday, Valentine's Day, actually. And it was the full-length trailer for Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. The Snyder Cut, which is coming to HBO Max on... Oh, I lost the date. March 18th? That's right, that's right. March 18th. Um, And we got a first full-length trailer featuring many things, including Superman's black suit featuring the Joker, who, in a very meta sense, uttered the words, we live in a society, which, of course, is like... if So, Kirk, do you know about the we live in a society significance? I don't think I do. So there was a meme going around about the Joker for a long time that was like... It was just, it was just the Joker, and it said, we live in a society, and it was just like... Uh, it's a very, like... I don't know. It's one of those very like absurdist memes that like you can use, but it's like basically used to, I don't know, like jeer somebody for doing something that is like, or something messed up that's going on in the world. It's just like, we live in a society because the Joker's always talking about things like that. True. Um, true. So people on Twitter lost their minds when Jared Leto <laughs> uttered the words, we live in a society. I mean, there was more to the line, but he started his line with that. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it was it was really well played. Um, but let's talk about the Snyder Cut trailer because this I feel like 
was the first really good look we got at this movie. I feel like the one that we got during DC fandom with black and white and playing some cover of hallelujah in the background, like that is not at all like what I would consider a good trailer for this movie. But what did you think of this one, Kirk? I would say against everything inside of me that this was a pretty legitimate trailer. It's a good trailer. Right? It's a good trailer. It you know, is. I often think, you know, what movie is it? Is it uh, The Holiday where Jack Black is a trailer artist? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's his job. Uh-huh. Uh, I imagine uh, Jack Black sitting at uh, at his desk uh, in, in L.A. and just, like, twisting things and turning knobs and, and saying, this summer, this March 18th, you know, over and over uh, to make this thing good, even though it's garbage. He even says that in, in that movie, I believe. He's like, I got to make this look good because it's pure trash, something like that. <laughs> and <laughs> I just think that... Bravo, bravo to the trailer master. I hope that person is the same editor in the Snyder Cut I mean, and we'll not see. actually Zack Snyder. I, 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 was, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it looked really good. I thought it was well-crafted. It seemed, I mean, it piqued my interest. I thought the effects looked toned back for Zack Snyder. I thought that uh, it looked like we have lots of different set textures and scene textures and lots going on, lots going on. Um, I would say that's my one red flag about this trailer is just like, it, it's the same with every DC movie, right? Like how do you fit all of this stuff in, in a way that makes sense? I think that was always the question with the Avengers movies for Marvel. We were always like, Oh my gosh, how are they going to do this? But they did, did so in a really deliberate way and chunked it up and made things simple. Um, DC has been overly ambitious on a few films and it ends up, their films end up falling short because of that. So I do worry about that. We get the longer runtime at four hours. So, I mean, if, if, <laughs> if they need time to help explain why all these things make sense, then they'll have it. But, um, yeah, I would say I'm pleasantly surprised, pleasantly surprised and, and frankly, kind of looking forward to it now. Um, Here's a question for you, Kirk. Yes. The Snyder Cut, let's say let's say the Snyder Cut is great, right? Like objectively awesome. Okay. Where does that put us with the DCEU? Because right now it doesn't have much of a leg to stand on. I think the first Wonder Woman movie is good. I think Shazam is good. I think both of those movies are just good and not spectacular. Um, but you know, Batman versus Superman is a mess. Suicide Squad is a mess. Um, uh, Birds of Prey, not very good. You know what I mean? Like, we've got a few of these movies where, if we get a good Snyder Cut movie, where does that leave us? That's where we restart. We restart <laughs> at the Snyder Cut. Okay. Just like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that could work. Yeah, I think uh, it's every moment every moment that uh, DC attempts to put something on screen, I see it as a chance at redemption. I think they see it too. I think they're just like, maybe this will work. I don't know. <laughs> and the moment that they, they strike gold, I really think that's going to be the moment. So whether it's this movie, whether it's six movies from now, at some point, that's going to be their reset button when they get the formula right. And then they're going to say, just do that over yeah. and over and over Let's again. Let's just hitch our wagons to that. This will be the beginning of our new universe. And then we'll go. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think what's hard about it is this. The Ray Fisher thing is a mess. mess. He got in a big fight with DC. It's all he said, she said. 
you know, I'm rarely going to side with studio executives in that battle. So I'll, I'll take his word for it. Yep. It's ugly. There was supposed to be a standalone cyborg movie. There was supposed to be cyborg in the flash movie. That's all gone. He's out. They wrote him out. He's fired basically. So this is cyborg's last show. Ben Affleck's done. You know, he's not, he's not coming back. Um, except for, I guess, in in the Flash movie as, like, a guest appearance. But he's, you know, Ben Affleck's done as Batman. Um, so it really does make me wonder, like, so if this is good, what does that mean? Because Zack Snyder said he's not doing any more DC movies either. So it's, like, it's just a mess. I keep trying to find a way for them to be, like, okay, if we could just build off of the, you know, I was, like, man, if the Flash could just be good or if Suicide Squad could just be good, but it's, like, it's all right now anchored to things that are bad and like really, really bad. So I want them to find a way to dig their way out, but I just don't know what that way is. But I I think regardless, if the Snyder cut is good, that is a good thing. It's a good thing for DC fans. It's a good thing for everybody and that they should find some creative way to build off of that. At four hours, it better be <laughs> it better amazing. Be or I'm shutting it off. Honestly, I don't have that kind of time to sink into this. It needs to be really good. I think we should set up a time-lapse camera. Uh, <laughs> you and I watch it together, and we just play it, and we just record ourselves. So hopefully we'll be jumping up and down and not passing out in each other's arms. I don't know. I don't know which one would be better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I like that idea, though. I really do. <laughs> um, okay. Next news story. This is the Star Wars news I was talking about. It's been a little while since we got, like, good new Star Wars news. Outside of, obviously, like, Disney Investor Day, they went ham and introduced a whole bunch of different stuff. But we've had this exact conversation on this podcast recently, actually. Is the Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy still a thing? The answer, after a long, long wait, is yes. Yes. He went... He had an interview with an author named Soraya Wilson who writes about the entertainment industry and she's sort of doing some deep dives into Star Wars where Ryan Johnson was able to confirm himself that his Star Wars trilogy is still happening. There's no dates. There's no production times, but it is a go. And um, this is a trilogy that will not touch the Skywalker timeline as far as we know. That's what we've been told, you know, from Lucasfilm. So after not being present in Investor Day presentation at all, which featured tons of Star Wars, I thought this was for sure dead, but here we are, and Ryan Johnson has still got this thing in the works. Are you excited about this? I am. I am. I feel like Ryan Johnson was uh, dealt a, uh, a, a bad hand. Yes. Uh, you know, even though people just destroy The Last Jedi, I think that it wasn't all up to him. And the things that he wanted to shape and create, he didn't get his full creative freedom. So I'll leave it at that. We've talked about it in in great detail, but this is going to be a great opportunity for him to say, Hey, listen, I'm a great filmmaker. Watch my stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He, he, and he is a great filmmaker. He's made tons of good stuff. And I think, yeah, I mean the, the, the sequels, you know, they, played an interesting hand and I would say that it backfired. They, they decided to go give three directors complete creative freedom over three movies that needed to be very well in sync with one another. And JJ and Ryan were not on the same page. 
Colin Trevorrow ended up getting the boot because of that because they were like, oh, crap, we got to rail this. We got to rein this in. We need to get JJ here. And JJ <laughs> tried to undo everything that Ryan did. So it's just ended up becoming quite a mess, um, which is unfortunate because the first two movies were somewhat connected, going different directions, but we're leading to a good place that I think Colin Trevorrow could have gotten us to. But, you know, who knows? It's all what-ifs at this point. And I'm glad that Ryan Johnson is getting another shot because I think he is someone who loves Star Wars deeply and is probably really hurt that a bunch of fans, like, trashed his project. So I'm ready for the Ryan Johnson Redemption Tour. I'm, like, all here for it. Can we make shirts? The Ryan Johnson Redemption Tour. (laughs) We totally should. (laughs) And Uh, wear it to the theater. (laughs) Actually, this... this, author Soraya Wilson was wearing whenever she interviewed him she was wearing a shirt that said Ben Solo deserved better and I loved that so much I was like yes dude yes awesome Um, okay next one and this one I don't know what we'll have to say but basically Martin Scorsese uh, published a piece in Harper's Magazine that was basically an essay celebrating um, Federico Fellini as a filmmaker and celebrating the career uh, of Federico Fellini. But it also turned into like the state of film is not in a good place and film has been devalued to content and everything served up to you by an algorithm. And so it just is not, it's, it's, there's film and then there's content is basically what he's saying. Uh, So really this story is like, I know it's like old man shakes fist at clouds type of story. (laughs) We shouldn't be surprised by it. But anytime somebody like Marty speaks up and I say Marty, like we're best friends, but anyway, anytime he he speaks up, it's, it's something you listen to. Do you agree that streaming and the algorithms that just serve you up things that you like has uh, devalued the art of film? Say it again. <laughs> there was so many big words in there. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Let's reload. I, was, I, I love how you just blankly stared at me for like <laughs> ten seconds. I was like, "Oh, I must be frozen. I don't know what's going on." Instead, you were just like, "Nope, didn't get that." <laughs> I was thinking. I went off. I went off because I was like, "Oh yeah, well, what did?" What did uh, Federico Fellini make? Like, what have I seen anything by him? I don't think I have. Yeah, and then I started not. thinking of of Marty, and I thought <laughs> Marty Martin Martin Scorsese. I thought SNL. Someone was him on SNL in the past last weekend on Weekend Update. Wow. I thought about Martin Scorsese <laughs> as Bernie Sanders and the Bernie Sanders meme. Yep. Wow. I really I lost was, you there. I was far away. It's okay. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. We're back. We're back. And we're back. Um, okay. So tell me, Cam, what, what did uh, Martin say uh, in this interview? He said that um, basically that streaming and looking at film as content and serving it up to people using an algorithm is devaluing film because now it's not like people enjoy a piece of art and then they're like, oh man, I want to test out some other art and see what I like and like see what my taste is. Now it's just like, you watch this, here's what you should watch next. And people are just like, click, and they just kind of go down the rabbit hole. He's mm. saying that that is basically a threat to film, that it's, I'm paraphrasing all of this, but that it's devalued it and turned it Got into it. something that is not an art form. So now your, I'm listening. your take on that. <laughs> Perfect. 
Um, I would say maybe there are some really just like backseat um, content watchers because when I see uh, like the suggested, oh, you'll like this, I take it as a as a, a, a as an insult. I'm like, no, no, I will not watch Dear John with Miley Cyrus just because I watched uh, the the map of tiny perfect things on Amazon Prime. No, I will not. Right. There are very different movies, very different pieces. Uh, uh, different stories in, indeed. So I think that he, his perspective on it, much like it usually is, though I love him as a filmmaker, I think his perspective on it is unfortunately skewed. I mean, how old is Marty at this age? Let, let's let's there. take a look. I just typed in Marty Scorsese instead of Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> like IMDb is going to like relay that <laughs> to like, me. Marty, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's not that old. He was born in 42. I mean, there are older uh, people out there. Obviously. So what, he's almost 80. Yeah. 79. He's, he's 79 this yeah. year, this year in November. So I, uh, I think he's, I think he's playing his old man card too much recently. And <laughs> well, we I, need- I mean, I do think it's funny that every time Martin Scorsese says something controversial about modern things, people are like, Whoa, Martin Scorsese's going wild. I'm like, dude, this is, it's like I said before, it's old man shakes fist at cloud. Like, (laughs) why are we surprised by this? Like, why are we surprised that Martin Scorsese doesn't like the MCU movies? None of us should be floored by that. Like, that is, like, I could have guessed that. And the fact that he, I mean, I know he released a movie to Netflix, but the fact that he, like, doesn't like that movies are called content and doesn't like streaming, like, that is not at all surprising to me. And, I mean, I think... I guess here's my take. There have always been bad films since yes. back whenever it was a new art form to now, there have always been bad films. The difference now is the volume. So mm-hmm. there is such a demand for content or films or whatever that there are much more. And so by the law of averages, there are more crappy movies, but there are still plenty of movies that are, I would consider art um, that I would consider things that should be you know listed up there with some of the great films of all time i think we even on this podcast we've reviewed some movies that fall in that category so um yeah i think this is a non-story but it, it is worth kind of getting our take on it's as if martin scorsese thinks that there's no other option it's as if he's at home playing netflix <laughs> Clicking, well, watching whatever, and then all of a sudden he says, "Well, I guess I have to watch one of these." He's See, like, he can't, ah, Tiger King. <laughs> he can't find the X, <laughs> like when you're previewing a movie and it comes up there. He's like, "Ah, yeah." I, w- I actually love that visual. It's probably true. He's probably like, "Oh no, what are they serving me now? I have to watch Bridgerton now." No. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that's Martin Scorsese. We'll continue to bring him up at every possible time because we love him and because he's always saying something that gets people angry for whatever reason um okay a couple of quick hitters here brooklyn 99 is ending again <laughs> is this it was or canceled once it? yeah i know right it was canceled once and then it got revived and now it's ending for real skis this time um Jack Black was cast as claptrap in the new borderlands movie <laughs> so now we've got a movie I can't. It's got Kate Blanchett. It's got Kevin Hart. And it's got Jack Black playing a robot. Um, 
I I will be first in line. I, I'm just <laughs> like, I have to see this. I And I played the Borderlands game, and Claptrap is a hilarious character. He's like this annoying robot that follows you around and says hilarious stuff all the time. Um, and everybody kind of like hates him, but also loves him in, in a way, everybody who plays the game. So this is incredible casting. And even though video game movies always suck, this is a must-see. Like this is officially must-see. Yes, it, it really will be. I did not play Borderlands, but if you need someone to, that's something that they don't have. They don't have humor, all of these true. video game that movies. So maybe this will be the trailblazer. Sorry, maybe, Tom Holland. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is the uh, this is the secret sauce. You need to throw in Jack Black and Kevin Hart, and then you're there. In every single video game movie going forward. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, last one. This is kind of a big one. We're talking lots of video games actually today. Um, HBO is developing a TV, a TV series. We've known about this, The Last of Us, which is a huge, huge video game by Naughty Dog. Um, it's basically post-apocalyptic zombie type thing. And Pedro Pascal has been cast in the lead role as Joel and Bella Ramsey from Game of Thrones. She was also in, uh, I most recently saw her in His Dark Materials, was cast as Ellie. So this is, Pedro Pascal is getting tons of play these days. And I think it's well-deserved well on his part. Yeah, I mean, Pedro Pascal is easily becoming the Linda Cardellini uh, of, of actors. <laughs> I mean, Linda Cardellini has been in every major movement of TV and film over the past 40 years. That's and right. I think Pedro is doing that now. Like he's he's hitting in every single franchise. Um, Oscar Isaac's doing the same thing, but Pedro is really, he's so hot right now. He is I so, mean. dude, he is scorching hot right now. He is the he's, hottest ticket in town. He's got everything. Uh, <laughs> he really does. It's um, wild. I think, you know, <laughs> Linda Cardellini is an interesting thing to bring up too because it's like she is like that guy. Um, you know, they do documentaries about these people. They're like, this is the one man who's actually been running America for 40 years. He was yeah. in the Ford administration. Then he was in the Bush administration. As it, You know, that's who she is because she's never like – she's sometimes a lead role but like rarely – but she's been in the MCU. She's been in like '90s generational comedy. She's been in like rom coms, like every movement of film, like you said, every big social, like cultural event. Linda Cardellini is present. Yeah, even voice work. She was in. Uh, she did thirty something episodes of Gravity Falls. Uh, right. She was in Green Book, Best Picture winner. She was in. She's in the MCU. She's in. The, uh, she's uh, Hawkeye's wife, right? She's yep. been in Mad Men. She. I mean, the list goes on. She was. Stinking, um, uh, what's her name in uh, Scooby Doo? Um, Velma, Velma, yeah, right. I know, man. Everything, everything is, and she's great. That's that's the best part about it. She's really, she's really stinking awesome. So one of my, and one of my all-time favorites. She's in the fantastic uh, Jet Apatow produced uh, Freaks and Geeks, now streaming yes. on Hulu. So that's got to be one of my top favorites. Yeah, can can we talk about this Freaks and Geeks? They're they keep posting. Hulu keeps posting. Well, Hulu and like Nerdist and all these other outlets are like freaks and geeks now on Hulu with the original soundtrack. I'm like, would it ever have not been on there with you? Like, what is the story here? <laughs> Do you they know what's have. going on there? I'm seriously curious. I don't, but I have a guess because all they had so much music on that show because music was an integral part to the storyline of like setting the the tone and the era. Yeah. So. 
uh, akin to uh, Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek cannot air their theme song, their original. How do I want to wait? Oh, seriously? Um, they cannot. They cannot because they do not own. They did not get the secure the rights to it oh uh, to that gosh. song. Um, so unless they wanted to pay Buku bucks, they have this other um, just random uh, pseudonym song, if you will. <laughs> like sucks. it's just a, in its place. So yeah. So they. My guess is that Freaks and Geeks was streaming on something else, and they couldn't do the music possibly. But I mean, they got sticks in episode one. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a big deal. It's so wild. These are things that I never would have thought of. And they clearly could have never seen like streaming platforms coming. So they probably thought like, cause didn't, didn't freaks and geeks get canceled after one season? One season. Yeah. One so then they're just season. like, well, we're done. I guess we don't need to lock up the rights to these songs. 20, you know, plus years later, it's like, Oh crap. <laughs> Jed Apatow was like on the phone all day long. Guys, like, like, just really need a nightmare. Give me come sail away, please. <laughs> and Sticks is like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, I digress. We've got two other trailer reactions. One is hot off the presses. I haven't even checked with you to see if you've seen it. But the first one is Cruella, starring Emma Stone. This is the straight-to-Disney Plus movie um, that is in the same vein of like their Maleficent, Maleficent series where it's like a movie about an antagonist and their origin, basically. Um, what's your take on this trailer, Kirk? I got to say, man, it looks good. It looks good. I feel like these movies can be so campy. Uh, they can be not not necessarily money grabs, but just like opening the like a kid's view to the antagonist like what is what's their life like it's it's all it's akin to um and i said akin twice in the same podcast but <laughs> what's it akin to <laughs> Tell it's, me. Akin, it's akin to alphaba in wicked right because yeah, sure we want another backstory like were they always evil start to finish did someone send them along the bad path well that's their fault they made bad choices they continue to make horrible choices corella is pretty evil right sure so it's it's in that it's uh it's akin it's akin to those stories, <laughs> and I I can't wait. I think Emma Stone's gonna just blow it out of the water. It's exciting. It's interesting. Uh, what, Mister? I love Emma Stone. I what? do. I do. I, I'm not shy about that. I think she's phenomenal. I think she's so great, and I don't think she looks bad in this movie. I just continue to question, and I thought the trailer was fine. I thought it was a good trailer. Um, as far as trailers go, I'm just like, who wants this? I just, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like I'm also like Mr. Disney. Like I freaking love it probably more than the average bear. Like I love Disney. I, I always want to go to Disney world. I'm, I'm all in. I love it. I watch all the movies I've seen. I like, I live for it. So if it's not for me and it's not for people like me and other Disney, like, people. Like, who is this for? And also, what is the plot of this movie? I can't really tell from the trailer, so I'm like, I know that we're going to get an origin. I know it's going to probably try to be like, oh, man, Cruella, like, she's had a rough go. Or it's just like, wow, Cruella's so crazy. I could watch this all day. I don't know. So that's the thing that's holding me back is, like, these things, these types of movies don't really have any intrinsic value to me like i don't see them immediately go oh i want to see that so i'm waiting to be sold on it mm -hmm. and i just don't know that we got anything that sold me on it i mean, I will watch it because we do a movie podcast but um 
I'm just like, who is this? Who is this for? Well, clearly me because I. I, yeah, I guess trailer. I guess that answers the question. I mean, lots of people said the trailer looked good, and I agree. I think the trailer looked good, but I don't really know why. Like, I think I just was expecting it to look second rate and crappy, and it didn't. So I was like, plus. But right. I still don't know what this movie is or like why I would want to watch it. Yeah, I uh, the only the only thing that this can the only way this can be successful and that's a lie because it could be there's a hundred different roads for its success. But I feel like it could be successful if it has like super quirky um, core values. So like I think like Wes Anderson quirky like storylines that are as quirky as Wes Anderson movies to like kick this movie off uh, because it looks like evil. It looks like yeah, it's like dark. holy cow. Yeah. So I. I think the only way you balance that out is to create a world that's absolutely absurd in it to to combat that. So yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that theory. We'll see. We'll see. It won't be long now. I think it comes out in May or something like that. April, May, sure. somewhere yeah. in that window. So that'll be on Disney Plus for anyone who is interested. <laughs> and I will also reluctantly watch it, even though I'm not currently <laughs> interested. Um, so there we go. Okay, the other trailer I was talking about that's hot off the presses is Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Have you <laughs> have you seen the trailer yet? I've not. Bro, let me just I've say not. this. We'll just do this as a quick hit. It looks good. I <laughs> I don't know how or why, but it does. Like it looks like it looks like a good video game action movie. Like they understood what needed to happen. And they're like, let's just do it. Let's not overcomplicate it. Let's just, it's Mortal Kombat. And like the effects looked good. The fight, like at one point in the trailer, Sub-Zero like makes a, like an ice sword. And then he like turns somebody's blood into like a dagger out of ice. And it looks sick. And I'm like, this could work. This could honestly work. So the cast is a bunch of no names as I feel like it should be with something like this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I would say... I am kind of excited for it, actually. I actually kind of am. Hmm, how the turntables have turned. I know, I, I never not. expected it. I, I I turned it on for a little bit of schadenfreude today. I was like, let's see how this sucky trailer looks. And then I was like, yo, I would watch that. And it's coming <laughs> to HBO Max, I think, like April 16th or something like that. So, um, yes, Mortal <laughs> Kombat. Also, it was a red band trailer and it was super violent. So I was like, Ooh, yes, I'm violence. more intrigued now. Right. Um, okay. That's it for what's popping. Let's pop it up one last time. There's a popcorn sign. All right, Kirk, you've got a game. I do have a game. I'm Are nervous. you ready? I know you're, you should be. You absolutely should be. I'm always nervous. So, What's really funny is this week on the social medias is that you posted something about quotes. I did. Unbeknownst to you, my dear friend, I had a game prepped and ready about quotes as well. All right. And no, I'm not going to talk like this the rest of this game. It has nothing to do. Cockney. It's really, it's really interesting. Or is that Cockney? What is that? I don't know. I'm going to defer to my wife, who is very good at dialects, and maybe usually I turn this into Indian after I talk too much, and I end up, <laughs> I end up talking like this, and that is the end, and I just run it off, and then I end my, I end my accent like All this. All right. Well, there we go. So this game is called 
quotables. Quotables. Yes. So I'm going to say a quote, and yes. you must tell me the movie it is from. It's that simple. Oh, yeah, because I posted the thing that was trending on, on the Twitters. Yes, and I, so we were supposed to record days ago, and we had some crazy glitches. Thanks, Skype. I know yeah, it was thanks you. Thanks a lot, Skype. But please sponsor us and give us money. Well, we would appreciate no, that. Oh, stop pandering. They'll never <laughs> do it. And we have we have already staked our claim against them. <laughs> One day. You never know. Never burn any bridges. My hand is open. Skype. Take it. Take it. Or put money so in it. So I'm going to, to tell you a quote. It's It may be very popular. It may be not as popular. Maybe you've seen this movie, but you can't quite remember. I didn't want to pick anything where there was just like dead air. So... It's just supposed to be fun. Are you ready, Cam? I am. I was born ready for this. Do we have any music we can play underneath us? Yeah, we this? can play we can play some music. Hold on one second. Okay, find something jazzy. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? It's not jazzy. It's funkadelic. That's perfect. All right, can you hear me okay? I can now. <laughs> Here we go. The first quote. You had me at hello. Oh, what that's from that's from uh, Jerry Maguire. Ding 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 ding. Love ding, Jerry Maguire. Bravo, bravo. Uh, I haven't seen the movie in quite a while, but man, th- I watched scary. it recently. It holds up. It's so good. It's so good. And there's like a hundred different big quotes in that movie. There are. So had to pick that one. Next one up. If you build it, he will come. Field of dreams. That is correct. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Very nice. <laughs> Killing it. Here we go. Here's one. Here's one for the people out there who love this movie. I don't <laughs> want to give you any hints. <laughs> I love how you just almost told me what movie it was. Like you were, th- you were like this close. <laughs> I did. I was. <clears throat> I'm just one stomach flew away from my goal weight. Just one stomach flew away from my goal weight. One stomach flew away. Mean from, girls. Ooh, that no? is close. Ah. Oh. Incorrect. What was, what Would you it? like to take a second guess? No. <laughs> <laughs> it is from The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, I've never seen it. I've never no. seen it. No, I've never seen it. That's one of those. That's one of those that's on my list of like you'd be shocked that I've never seen that movie. That's yeah. one of them. Aubrey, uh, my wife watches it pretty much every week. It comes on and she's like, perfect. I'm working. I'm going to just see. Here's the thing though. I grew up with her and this movie came out when we were living in the same home. So if she's seen it enough times to where she's like, yes, let me turn it on. Why have I not seen it? Cause I tell you what, I've seen everything else that she's seen a thousand times. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It's very odd. It's messed very up. Odd. It's really messed up. Here's the next one. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Oh, um, I know this. I've talked about it many times before in my film is lit class. Yes. Shout out Mr. Rogers. Lots of mise-en-scene in this movie. They call me Mr. Tibbs. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Um, is it some like it hot? You have the right idea with temperature, but it is not that movie. It's another movie with temperature in it. Not hot, but it's heat. Heat? Is it just the heat? 
No. <laughs> I'm so terrible at this. It is called In the Heat of the Night. In the Heat of the Night. That's what I was trying to... Yeah, what did I say? I said something like it hot. Oh, you said so. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Jack what, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Heat of the Night. Yep, that's okay. That's okay. I got just two more for you. Are you ready? I am. <clears throat> this is my favorite one of the day. Sir, one more outburst and I will strangle you with my microphone wire. You understand me? Oh, the wedding singer. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, Adam Sandler. Very nice. Very nice. And our final one for quotables today. But the most important rule, the rule you can never forget, no matter how much he cries, no matter how much he begs, never feed him after midnight. Gremlins. That is correct. And fun fact, there is a prequel in development for Gremlins. For Gremlins? Or Gremlins. Yeah, it's got the cast is stacking up. I can't remember anyone who's in it, but I know that they've got like 10 people, 10 big hitters lined up. So who asked for this? Who asked for this? I have to, (laughs) (laughs) I continue to ask this question. (laughs) Who wanted the the Gremlins prequel? What focus group did they pull together where they were like, hey, you know what would be awesome? A Gremlins prequel. I need to know the origin of the Magwai. Oh, man. Well, I'll see it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sold. You got me. All right. That was a fun game. Thank you for that. That was a that was a fun Twitter trend, actually. I saw a bunch of them. I think it's hard. It's kind of like the game that you picked. Like, you want people to know the quotes that you pick. And so, like, the Twitter trend was, for those of you who didn't see it, there was a picture of a sign that said, name a line from a movie that, a random line from a movie that, people who are big fans would know immediately what movie you're talking about. And so it's like, you kind of want to name an obscure line from a movie, but you also like want people to know what you're talking about. Otherwise it's not fun. So that's like, it's like when we play games and they're too hard and then it's not fun for anybody. So correct. (laughs) It's the same thing. Um, I had a good one from raising Arizona. I love raising Arizona. I, Mm -hmm. I had to use the raising Arizona quote in the post. So that's a classic. Um, all right, let's move on to our movie review. Are you ready? Do you have your critic cap on? Oh, hello. yes. Let me get it on. Here <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's your robe hood. Classic. I'm, I'm glad you it. asked. <laughs> all right. I am synopsing this week, mm-hmm. and I will be leading us off in superlatives, too. The movie we're reviewing, as I said at the outset, is a film called Judas and the Black Messiah, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, um, uh, uh, what's uh, I just love Dominique Fishback, mm-hmm. um, Martin Sheen, etc. There are more people, but I am not remembering all of them right now. Um, directed by Shaka King, like I said, and it is available on HBO Max for the next like three more weeks. I think you got three more weeks after tomorrow. Um, it's also available in theaters, so if you are able to go to theaters, go support your local theater. It'd be awesome to do. Um, this movie is about the Black Panther Party in the, what, 1970s, right? Um, uh, I think late 60s? Late 60s, 70s? 68, maybe? I'll look well, it I mean, up. I mean, MLK was already dead by the time it started. So maybe like really late 60s? Oh, wait, but MLK died in the early 60s. But Malcolm X was already dead by this. So maybe it was... 1968 and 69. Okay, late 60s, you're right. Um, And it revolves around uh, a really interesting historical situation that I don't think a ton of people 
know about. If you know about it, you might know about it from uh, actually the trial of the Chicago Seven references it. Uh, when Bobby Seale is on trial, he talks about how uh, Fred Hampton was murdered. Um, so that's what this movie is about. Daniel Kaluuya plays Fred Hampton, who's a deputy chairman of the Chicago Black Panther Party. And William O'Neill, played by Lakeith Stanfield, is an FBI informant who infiltrates the Black Panther Party. And um, basically, this all leads up to that. So... Uh, Anything else I need to add there, Kirk? No, that's good. Uh, this one's tricky. We do spoiler-free review. Rev- rev- excuse me. We do spoiler-free reviews for our listeners, and uh, this is historical. So, yeah. if you're, I don't know, if you're interested enough, and you want to, you should, you should educate yourself. I felt quite educated by seeing the movie, and I wanted to read more about it. So, it, we won't go too crazy into it, but yeah, go read, give it go away. read on it. Did I already say what happens? No, okay. not at all. I was like, oh, crap. Did I already say what happens? <laughs> uh, okay, good. Um, so, yeah, if you don't know what happens, we will not spoil it for you, but um, we'll leave it at that. And if you do know what happens, then great. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's jump into our superlatives. The first one we always do is the Oscar goes to. This award goes to the best actor in the film, this week, I'm giving mine to Mr. Daniel Kaluuya, who played Fred Hampton. Holy smokes. This is a good old-fashioned smash-mouth acting performance, as I like to call it. Like, we do a lot of these, like, understated, nuanced, very artsy, very character-driven performances. This is old school. This is, give me a character. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it loud. I'm going to get... I'm going to learn how to talk like them. I'm going to walk like them. I'm going to turn into this character and I'm going to deliver a powerful performance that like this performance wasn't sneaking by anybody. This was, this was a loud boisterous performance and it was excellent. I thought Daniel Kaluuya was incredible. Um, if you go and you watch clips of Fred Hampton, who was an amazing um, orator, if you watch him talk, it's insane. You know, he looked like him. He carried himself like him, his speech pattern, which was Fred Hampton's speech pattern. It's a lot, a lot like a lot of these, you know, famous orators from back then. It's very specific. You know, it's very unique. Um, I think about Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, like they all had a very specific way of speaking, even like JFK, you know, people from back in the day, like that was a way that they distinguished themselves. And Fred Hampton was no different. And I thought that, Daniel Kaluuya just did an incredible job. I mean, just absolutely incredible. And he's, I mean, he's an Oscar nominee in my book for this performance. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he won, to be honest. Yep. Easy choice for me, Daniel Kaluuya. Easy, easy, easy. This performance, like you said, was just bold. He didn't care. He didn't take a misstep. There was no hesitation in it at all. It was just... Uh, concise. It was, uh, he stepped right into the role the moment you saw him on screen. There was no warming up. He was just there. So I don't know what Daniel Kaluuya's prep is, if he's someone who has, has to be in character all the time, or if he was just focused, laser focused. Directors do some cool things sometimes too, where, uh, and I, I, this is totally just a guess, but sometimes they'll, they'll run the film and they'll say, you know, just like live in the space. So I wonder if Shaka King did a little bit of something like that too, because he was just ready from, from every moment. There wasn't any, 
uh, again, like I said, hesitation. So it's, it reminds me, you know, uh, his performance is what's the word I'm looking for, uh, akin to <laughs> that of <laughs> that of the last King of Scotland, mm. uh, Forrest Whitaker. The, uh, Forrest Whitaker, who won yeah. his best actor for that. So I would be super pumped if if we got something like that for this too. So shout out Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, good call. Um, really just a great performance. Just, like I said, traditional, old-fashioned good performance. Nothing that you have, nothing that's going to go over your head. You're just going to watch it and be amazed. That's, And sometimes that's nice too uh, when you don't have to catch in on the nuances and the micro expressions and everything. It's just good old fashioned acting in its mm-hmm. purest form. Um, scene stealer. This is the performance that sort of might've been nuanced, might've taken our breath away, might've been short lived. You know, there's a number of different things here, but something that really caught your eye for me, it's Lakeith Stanfield. And um, I think I'll actually get into it in showstopper as well. But I think the, like the character of Bill, Bill O'Neill is really well done in the way that they use the character to drive home the themes of the movie is excellent. I'll get into more of that later, but it's all made possible by Lakeith Stanfield, who does deliver a little bit more nuanced performance, who does things um, with great intention. He gives a really honest performance. And this is a guy who, you know, has been on our radar recently, who's had a lot of really good performances, um, you know, including Get Out, including... uh, yeah, knives out <laughs> any movie that ends with the word out he's there um, <laughs> so i i really appreciate what the keith stanfield is doing in the industry right now and i thought this was an excellent performance he was really in his element and, and in a lot of ways he's the main character of the movie i think you know i i, I mean daniel kaluuya is the one who draws your eyes but i think this is really the bill o'neill story if you're asking me so what he enables them to tell from a storytelling perspective is powerful and it ha- it's all because of his incredible acting. Yeah, that's what's interesting about this. So if this, not if, when this <clears throat> film goes up for award season, it's going to be, um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is going to be up for best supporting. He won't be up for best actor. That's just clear because of the, the way the script is written. I see it as because Lakeith Stanfield, who is also my scene stealer, uh, he's definitely going to be nominated. If he is nominated, I hope he is. Uh, he'd be nominated for best actor. He does some fantastic stuff in this role. Um, when, when he comes out the gate, he is not, he's obviously a very different person than Fred Hampton. And we see him first and it's unlike anything Lakeith Stanfield has done. And if you've been watching his filmography uh, and keeping up with it, it's very uh, in a way boring is the wrong word, uh, but he plays a very boring person who is just on the wrong side of the tracks uh, to start with. And you're like, what a weird acting choice from Lakeith Stanfield. But it's really not because then you get to see it progress into something really incredible uh, for when he dives into the FBI informant role and what that progresses to and, and this dichotomy of being an FBI informant and being part of the Black Panther Party. Uh, it's just fascinating. I, I just I just think that he's he's on his way up and up every single performance. He raises his game. 100%. 100% he is. I, I mean, I think he's doing... He's young. He's done some incredible things so far. 
he this performance was great it was it was it was highly nuanced on you know uh, like i was just talking about the opposite with daniel kaluuya kaluuya even though his, his his performance was still nuanced but i'm just saying like this was that more understated performance this was that thing that took a lot of like little micro different uh tendencies and things like that to drive it home and lakeith stanfield did such a great job um, so that brings us to Showstopper. I am kind of cheating here. I have like three things. Is that okay? What? <laughs> I have three things that caught my eye. Um, so Go I'm going to say all of them, whether you want me to or not, <laughs> actually. <laughs> so, um, the first thing was the, was, man, how do I even quantify this? I put cinematography, but cinematography is not the right word. It's, it's really um, creating an aesthetic through every aspect of the film from the production design to the shots, to the lighting, all of it, you know, creating a consistent aesthetic. It's one of the hardest things to do. I think in movies, you know, it's, and it's, if it's done well, you almost don't notice it. If it's done bad, you do notice it where like you have one scene that's one texture. And then another scene is a way different texture. And you're like, "Mm, that's weird. That's just doesn't even feel like the same movie. It happens a lot. And that's because it's really hard to create a consistent aesthetic in film because it has to be every facet of the movie working together in sync and like synchronization. So for this, the cinematography, the lighting, the production design, everything was working together. There were some really crafty shots in this movie and I thought it created an awesome aesthetic. I thought it created a great period piece, you know, because that's what this is, even though it wasn't too terribly long ago, it is, it is still a period piece. Um, So that was really interesting. Another thing that I liked that was really an interesting choice was Martin Sheen as J. Edgar Hoover. Um, His scenes were really reminiscent of like, I think about films in like the 40s and 50s that had uh, Adolf Hitler in them. And he was always like in this surreal environment where he like everything was dark and they were illuminated. And it's just like this weird like dreamscape type thing. I think that was the effect they were trying to, do it was it was a little bit um they were trying to flip convention on its head they're like you need to see j edgar hoover as the bad guy here and they were using some of those old tactics to do so i thought that was a really interesting choice and i thought it was done really really well and there's only like three or four of these scenes but it was really good um and then finally i alluded to it when we were talking about lakeith stanfield the character arc of bill o'neill is really effective and ends up being you know, from the first beat to the to the Chiron text at the end of the movie, you're like, whoa, and you get a way deeper understanding. Um, painting Bill O'Neill is like the sympathetic character, actually, by the end of it. You're like, oh, I kind of get what's going on here. It's, it's about belonging, and, you know, belonging at all costs because you have nothing, and it, it tells a really interesting story about the plight of black people in America. It tells a really interesting story about um, Bill O'Neill as a person in general, it's just really well done and deep. And by the end of it, you're just like, wow, that was incredibly impactful. So I think it's three things. I was supposed to pick one showstopper, but all three of those were so good that I had to mention them. Excellent. Excellent. I do not have three things. So I am unprepared. I just don't, I don't always, I don't always, uh, my, my uh, showstopper is Jared Leto. No, oh, <laughs> <Just gosh. laughs> he just, 
seeps in to every single no he's he's not in this movie he's not in this movie you guys can watch it it's all it's, it's all safe. good it's a safe place <laughs> it's a safe place uh i did pick cinematography because i think that everything you described it, it really is cinematography the, the aesthetics and making it picture perfect um the camera work specifically within the production design is in the storytelling within that. Uh, it's all it's all inclusive. It's all it's all the same thing. Yeah, it's all the same thing. It's all relative. I think that I've never heard of uh, of Shaka King before. I don't know uh, of his other films, and I want to watch them now because yeah, he's done, he doesn't it, he hasn't done much. This is really the first huge project. Yeah, which is great. Which is great. Uh, I see. I see big things in the future. I see him landing several deals after this because whatever he was, however he was able to collaborate with his entire team uh, as a director, it paid off because there are definitely moments where you know that the director had his hand in that heavily, and there are other moments where you know that he was the guiding light in it. That that you know that this was this was the makeup artist here, and this was the set designer here, but the director pulls it all together and the cinematography for, for that specifically the opening scene is one of the most creative yes, uh, dude. Uh, just introductions to a character I've, I've seen in recent history and I loved it I loved it so uh, and maybe that's even more specific the opening scene uh, just introducing uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character is just so fascinating and just kudos to them yeah that it's it's really good it's really well done it, and I think the thing is with with based on a true story type of movies, um, something I meant to mention on the Bill O'Neill side, but it's it's worth stating like it is easy, I think, to not phone it in, but it's easy to like take certain aspects of the film for granted because what you're really trying to tell is the story, the historical story, and so you focus all your attention on that. And that story's already written, you know, it's been written by history. You just have to craft it. So you see that from time to time where you get these based on a true story movies where the story is great. Obviously they're making a movie out of it. That's why it's good. But the, the actual execution isn't there. And that is not the case with this movie. Definitely not. Um, good call outs all around. Let's move on to director's shoes. Um, the one thing I would just change and I, I apologize. I don't have anything tangible to go off of here, but the pacing in the back half of the movie just sort of lost me a little bit. I felt like at a time in, in the back half where I was supposed to be more engaged, I felt less engaged. Um, it ends up, the way that it ends, uh, if it has a great resolution and, and a really good ending, so it makes up for it there. But I would say, like, I don't even want to call it the back half. Like, the back third of the movie, I was like, okay, I feel like we're lingering on some things here. I feel like the pacing isn't where it should be. I feel like the tension isn't where it should be. Um, and so in some cases I was like left wanting there a little bit, but I feel like it's nitpicky and, uh, I, but I do feel like it's the thing that held it back from me giving it a much higher score than, than I could have because I just wanted it to, to be solid all the way through to the end. And I felt like, um, it lost a little bit of momentum towards the end. Great, great. Um, we can agree on one thing, Cameron, uh, is that the middle was really good because I actually found the beginning uh, struggled uh, past that opening attention getter scene with, again, some of the best, uh, one of the best introductions to a character. I didn't feel like the storyline really 
painted the picture for us to accept like what the title of this movie was and what the characters were doing and where we were going. And I want to be surprised in a movie. That's my favorite thing where you pull the rug out from underneath me in a movie, but I don't, I don't see where it connected at the beginning. It was, it was very, um, very fluid at the, at the end there for me. I actually liked the progression from the middle to the end better than I did the beginning to the middle. So a little bit different there. Yeah, sure. Salty. No, that's good. It's good. <laughs> Different opinions are good. I appreciate it. We're we're oftentimes way too similar on this show. So I'm like, yes, disagree with me. <laughs> okay, let's do overall thoughts and scores. Um, for me, I think this is a great movie. I think it's I think it's going to be. I mean, I have it shortlisted for Oscar Best Picture nomination at the moment based on everything that I've seen, um, which leaves out a couple of films, but not too many. Um, I think it'll be there. I think it was really good. I think it was really close to being like excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, I think it was still very, very good. I think the acting performances were stellar. Again, I think the, the camera work, the production design, the lighting, all of it as a total film body of work was really solid. Um, just a few things that could have been cleaned up. So for me, it's an 8.9 out of 10. Um, I've been kind of hovering around those low nines. It's like waiting for a movie this year to really take my breath away. Um, this one was close, but it it left me wanting just a little bit. So uh, it's an 8.9 out of 10. I still think it's one of the best movies for this award cycle. And I would be, I, first of all, I'm surprised that it wasn't nominated for Best Picture at the Golden Globes. And I'd be shocked if it wasn't nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, one of the biggest reasons I love the the trend of based on a true story is because I don't read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can. I can't. Let's make that clear. Yes, you are I able to read. read. Yeah, sure. Uh, I am literate, but I have a, you know, difficulty staying on task if I have to read like a book or an article longer than five minutes. So Take that with it as you may, but I love film to be able to give me the education that I need. I need it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so what I love in this movie is that it's it's very historically accurate. I did some fact checking and it was uh, very, very wonderful, very wonderful themes, very good message, very clear message and very complicated message at that, too. Uh, I loved how unique of a story this is. I feel like in this era more and more of what I'm understanding as I'm seeing um, film and TV uncover historical events is that things were 100 uh, percent sugarcoated or just pushed down so that we wouldn't see all of the really horribleness. And now, probably because of social media, it's all out there, yeah. whatever, anything goes. So uh, the veil is being torn, torn back, the curtains being pulled and we're seeing the man behind the curtain. Uh, this movie Fantastic. Uh, very similar score to you. I'm going 8.6 out of 10 kernels. Great. Good score. I agree. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I, I tend to be like, I mean, it's easy to do this in the age of like pandemics and social unrest and all this stuff, like, um, you know, injustice and, and everything that we're seeing to be like, oh man, this is the worst time in history. Like, is the world ending? What's happening? Um, and then you go back and watch stuff from the sixties and seventies and you're like, holy crap. Like, there's always been bad stuff. We, but you know, we still have an onus on us to get through it and to 
better ourselves every day, but it's, it's actually somewhat comforting to know that we've like actually come a long way since then, but there are still things to be learned from the past. So it, it is good. I've enjoyed all the, especially like the late 60s stuff that's been coming out with one night in Miami, the trial of the Chicago seven. Um, you know, I feel like I took a class on the black Panther party and, and on, uh, you know, another class on like the whole civil rights movement again this year, which is good. So, um, right, right. It's very interesting. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see how all these movies that are like pretty similar uh, end up stacking up at the uh, at the big award shows towards the end of the year. So indeed. Well, we're talking about right now. We're talking about movies that are based on a true story, and so we thought that would be a good time to do a schoolyard pick of films that are based on a true story. Um, <sighs> Kirk, I think you even threw out the prompt on social the other day of like, what is your best, what is your favorite movie that's based on a historical event? So we're going to dig into that right now. And because I went first on uh, synopsis and superlatives, you get to go first here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's, <clears throat> I reluctantly, I mean, I just have to follow the rules. If I could go first every time I would, but I can't. Oh, I see. I see. You know, <laughs> selfish. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I have to pick one of my all-time favorite movies. I could watch this over and over and over again on replay. Uh, you know when they say, like, if you were stuck on an island, what movie would you watch yeah. over and over again? Or if you were being tortured, catch me if you can. Ooh, that's a good one. Easy. Easy, easy choice for me. Based on a true story, blew my mind. That was one of the first movies that I understood was based on a true story. Uh, the, the time that it came out and the age I was. And... It's absolutely fascinating the 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 counterfeiter um, the, the, that he t- turns out to be a, a big top informant, real informant, and actually works for the federal government in catching people just like him. How he betrayed the country for so many years. So, uh, for Mr. Frank Abagnale Jr. So very fascinating, and again, it's Leo. What can I say? Right. It's Leo. Yeah, that's a great pick, and like. One that sort of breaks the mold of based on a true story movies, I think, you know, like it's a little bit unconventional for a based on a true story movie. And I kind of like that. I feel like a lot of my picks are things that are like outside of the typical mold. So that's, that's good. Um, Ooh, this, this is hard to decide what to pick first. Cause I kind of want to focus on things that I think you might pick. <laughs> um, is your list like 20 films long? It's very long. It's very long. Um, and I didn't rank them. I just kind of listed them all out off the top of my head. I'm going to go Apollo 13. I love I love Apollo 13. I think it's just a really... It's one of the first... Honestly, one of the first movies I remember seeing and feeling like an adult. I was like, I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> it was not like a cartoon action whatever movie like it wasn't superheroes or something like it was about history it was about going to space going to the moon like i was intrigued by that obviously tom hanks is incredible in that movie an incredible cast all around um bill pullman kevin bacon right is that that's right no that's no, no. How I am. is that bill pullman paxton Paxton, gosh dang mm-hmm. it i always get those two it's the bill the bill peas i get them switched, <laughs> switched around but that movie also has an incredible finish to it. And it's just like one of those edgier seat movies. I just, I loved it. I love how you said, I, you sounded like Ron Swanson. I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I can imagine, you know, you're like 13, you're watching it for the first time, you're wa- and that's that's how you end it. I I want to end every movie like that. I enjoyed <laughs> this movie. Another like Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, let's keep up the trend of uh, Tom Hanks okay. in films because he's uh, in Catch Me If You Can, he's in Apollo 13, <laughs> and he's in my next pick, Captain Phillips. Oh, that's a good one. Let's go. Captain Phillips, dude, I had no idea how anxiety-inducing this film was going to be. Um, uh, myself and my wife, Aubrey, we went to see this movie she was probably seven months, eight months pregnant. And I thought 100% that it was going to send her into early labor because <laughs> surprised it didn't. this movie, if you saw it in theaters, I mean, no one, the, the amount of like, uh, of tension people in the room were, were feeling, uh, the, like no one was breathing. And then everyone was sobbing at, at a certain point in the movie because they were just relieved or terrified even more. So this movie has just absolutely an incredible build and I can't believe it's real. If you haven't seen Captain Phillips, stop and go, go watch it right now. It is a remarkable movie. I did see it in theaters and I had a similar experience. It's, it, it is a crazy movie to see in theaters. It is a really, really, it is just really intense. <laughs> it is yes. really intense. And the, actually it's like almost more intense after he gets rescued than like during the whole thing. Like it's, I yeah. don't even know how to explain it. You're like so well, overcome with emotion. I think it really is uh, a nod to the filmmaker because you don't even realize it that, I mean, I started like laughing out of joy when he was rescued. And then I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like every emotion possible was just rushing through my body at the end of that movie. So, yeah. cause it was all kept up like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, dude. Good pick. Um, I'm going to go with a pick that also for the, for the theater experience factor, um, Steve McQueen's 12 Years a Slave. Man, this movie in theaters was quite an experience. People, like, I have, I, I don't remember. Honestly, it's the most emotional audience I've sat in outside of The Passion of the Christ. Like, that's, like, dead serious. People were openly sobbing, like, gasping at times. Um, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor just, like, incredible performance um, really put him on the map. I think uh, in, in terms of his acting career and we all know what he can, he's capable of now, but that was my first real experience with him as an actor and just being like, Whoa, um, an incredibly powerful movie and one that I will never forget. It's like, I feel like people don't talk about that movie very much, but it was like very, very deserving of winning best picture. And it was an incredibly well done movie. Excellent. It really was, really was. Um, my next movie, because I don't want you to take this from me, but I also don't know if it's on your list. Uh, I've got to go. I'm the mafia guy here. I got to pick Goodfellas. It was on my list, you dirty dog. I knew you were going to pick ah, it, though. I had to. I had to. I almost let it slide one more, but I just don't trust you, so I had to put <laughs> it out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, Goodfellas. I, I, I watched this movie... Um, because I just wanted to get into Marty Scorsese's filmography. And uh, I think I watched it right after I had seen The Departed for the first time. And it blew my mind. And then I found out that it was based on a true story. And that is what spiraled me into watching 
every mafia movie that I can get my hands on. Uh, if you don't know the story, it's based off a biographical book um, based on the, the real account of Henry Hill um, from the Lucchesi crime family before he became uh, an FBI informant. And this movie, it's a masterpiece. It's absolutely a masterpiece. The fact that it's real, it, I mean, it, it, when you look at it, it should be fiction, but it's not. <laughs> and that's, that's mind-boggling. Yeah, truly. It, I was I was surprised. Like I watched Goodfellas not that long ago for the first time because I I don't know, like when when those movies are older and you're young like growing up, like you you have to get a, you have to find time to watch Goodfellas. It's not like it's obviously a generational movie, but if you weren't like of age at the time that it came out, like you have to kind of like make time for movies like that, but it seriously is mind-blowing. Um really really good one. Okay. Oh man, this is so hard. Um, yes. Is there another um, Tom Hanks movie you'd like to pick? <laughs> not at this moment. <laughs> I am gonna go with a Beautiful Mind, <sighs> Russell Crowe. I think it's I good. I, I think um, I think people knew about John Nash at the time of A Beautiful Mind, but I don't think he he was like widely known. So I think the twist if you will in this movie which is something that you don't often get to pull off in a based on a true story movie uh remained well intact and is really effective and it's another best picture award winner very much deserving of it really good performances all around in that movie and they just turned a really interesting like biographical piece into a really gripping movie, whether it was based on true story or not. So it's really well done. Excellent. I'm mad at you, but excellent choice. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. What have we got left on the books here? Um, okay. I've got two left. Yep. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go Aaron Brockovich. Good one. Shout out Julia Roberts. Um, I expected not to like this movie only because this is a movie I was way too young when, when it first came out, obviously. And all I heard from the living room, my parents were in the family room and they were watching it for like the third time as it was playing on HBO live because there was no TiVo. I just heard like, if this, if that, I'm like, what kind of movie is that parents? How dare you? <laughs> and I, so I recently watched it probably in 2019, I want to say, and was floored, absolutely floored by the the true story by the performances it is just you must see this movie before you die that's what this is it's a bucket lister yes yeah agreed that's a good pick um well i i feel like i've included this on like multiple schoolyard picks but it it would be untrue to my personal brand if i didn't <laughs> pick it so i'm going with moneyball moneyball it's yeah it's got to be moneyball I have not been shy about my love for this movie. I will continue to talk about it all the time. I think, again, as a based on a true story movie, it's a really unique one. Like, it's not your typical sports movie at all. Um, and it's done really well. Brad Pitt's incredible. I just love it. Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, it's just the best. Moneyball. I knew it. I knew it was coming. I knew it. <laughs> Uh, is this my last one? It is last one. Oh, this is not fair. This is not even like a real, a real accurate score because 
there's just not enough. I need I need 15 spaces. Agreed. Like, yeah, I agree. There there will be ten, tons of good movies that are left out. Sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. Um, I'm gonna go with this. Is what really told me that Will Smith had needs a best actor award, and he's just not received it yet. The Pursuit of Happiness. Yes. Um, I mean, again, if you haven't seen that, just stop what you're doing and get out of here because the film itself is incredible. And, uh, I wouldn't even say that it's carried by Will Smith. It's just like such a benefit to like get to see people perform like that. And he was nominated for best actor that year, but I think it was a really tough year and he was just fantastic. Yes. I love that movie. It's a good one. It doesn't get its due. It's like, like it does and it doesn't. I feel like people remember it for the Will Smith performance, but that's like it. People act like it's not a like a like a great movie overall. Like people don't talk about the movie that much. They're just like, hey, remember when Will Smith was in Pursuit of Happiness and it was awesome? I think yeah. that movie really is very, very good. So good pick. Thank you. My last one. Mm, I'm kind of waffling here. I'm waffling. I'll go with one that just like personally, I, I really, really love it. The fighter, David O. Russell, um, Marky Mark and the funky bunch, uh, <laughs> Christian Bale. This movie is awesome. It's an untold sports kind of movie. It's, it's something that I don't think people, many people know about really, really like they certainly didn't know about it before this movie, but it's a great story and a really well-made movie. Uh, Amy Adams is in this movie. She's fantastic. Christian Bale won Best uh, Supporting Actor for this movie for an unreal performance. I mean, he's always good, but this performance is crazy good. Um, and it's just so entertaining. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I, I've watched this movie a, a billion times. I seriously have. Like, when after it came out and I saw it, I bought the Blu-ray digital copy, and I've watched it countless times. I'll still turn it on now and again. So it's got to be the fighter for me just because of the staying power. Beautiful choice. Let's go. Um, what do you call them? Honorable, Honorable mentions. mentions. Yeah. Can't talk today. Go ahead. Uh, Titanic. I don't know if you can call that one. You know, counts. But, uh, you know. counts. Perfect. Uh, the Battle of Jadoville, which was a Netflix uh, original film that came out with uh, Jamie Dornan. It's, it's oh, I haven't crazy seen that. good. Oh, I love it. I love it. Seabiscuit. I know I'm going to get flack for that. Richard Jewell. <laughs> First Man, Schindler's List, Theory of Everything, Social Network, American Sniper, Spotlight, Green Book, Ray, Lincoln, All the President's Men, 127 Hours, Just Mercy, Hacksaw Ridge, Joy, and Remember the Titans. Okay, I had Just a lot of those, a, but I also list. had My Left Foot. Did you say My Left Foot? I did not. Good choice. Zodiac yep. and Argo. So, based on true story movies are awesome, if done well. There are plenty that are not done well or are done like, okay, but could have been much better. But this is, it's a fun subsection of movies. I'm sure we missed tons. Like we talked about this, like some of the greatest movies of all time, obviously are based on a true story. So let us know what we missed. Hit us up in the comments. Tell us that we're dumb and that we picked <laughs> stupid movies. Like let, let us have it. We want to hear it. Uh, but otherwise that's all we've got. Um, keep an eye out early next week. We've got a new episode of WandaVision dropping on Disney Plus tomorrow. Well, technically today, if you're listening to it, because this That's episode right. dropped on Friday. Uh, so episode seven of WandaVision. If you didn't already know, 
we have a YouTube series called Spilled Popcorn where we, where we are breaking down every single episode in extreme detail. We are giving you recaps, analysis, lots of wild speculation. So if you like the MCU and you like to talk about superhero movies um, and TV shows, come check out Spilled Popcorn. You can find it on our YouTube channel um, on under Popcorn for Breakfast or on our website, popcornforbreakfast.com. That's popcorn, the number four breakfast.com. Other than that, we will be back again next week with a new movie review. Kirk, I think we're going to get to review Nomadland, which drops on Hulu tomorrow and is the Oscar Best Picture front runner at the moment, according to pretty much everyone. And Kirk is grimacing because he doesn't like Francis McDormand for whatever reason, like a weirdo. Um, this is what she looks like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Rude. Okay. <laughs> but that's all we've got for you guys. Want to give a special thanks, I almost forgot, as always, to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and of course, our fabulous original music, which we got to use lots of this episode, is provided by Rhetoric. Check those guys out on Apple Music and Spotify, and we will see you next week. Talk to you then.